deep in the heart of Central Texas, it's the Best of the Outdoors podcast, brought to you by Texas Fish and Game Magazine, the voice of the Texas Outdoor Nation. I'm your host, Dustin Von Warnke, author, outdoor writer, videographer, speaker, blogger, and podcaster. And I'm so excited that you took the opportunity to download our show or stream it, however you are listening. Thank you so much for doing so. Well, it's that time of the week again, and we are back with another podcast every other week, like we always do, and I am really excited about today's show because I've got a past guest of the Best of the Outdoors podcast on, and that is Marty McIntyre. He is the head guide and owner of GarQuest Bowfishing Adventures out of Central Texas. And Marty has been bowfishing since the mid-1980s and is just a great... um, mentor of mine in bow fishing he is a great bow fishing guide a great teacher a great clinician in bow fishing and i'm really excited to share this with you because we initially did a podcast together back in 2012 before this podcast was ever together uh for the hunting channel online and we did a series called the interviews with the masters and it was a really good interview that we did together. I posted it, I think, around show number two or three when this podcast got up and going originally. And the issue was I put it on Marty's website, GarQuest.com, and I was sitting there going, wow, I've never seen numbers like these before. Out of all the podcasts I've done, the 20-something podcasts that we've done on the show, um, I've never had one that kicked up quite that much uh, in streaming plays. It has over 4,500 streaming plays, that original episode that we did. And I was just blown away by it because I was like, wow, this is amazing. Um, People are really engaged with this guy and really engaged with this content. And uh, so far, that almost accounts for half of our streaming plays on the show because it was on his website and people go by his website to listen to the podcast uh, player and that's a neat way to share the podcast with folks is with the podcast player embed code so i'm really excited about this episode because we talk about tilapia we talk about grass carp we talk about carp and gar and all kinds of different bow fishing trips that you can take and um just general bow fishing and the way i got started in bow fishing was with marty Back in 2011, I think it was, I got a, uh, I won a silent auction at Hill Country Bow Hunters, and I picked up a um, gift certificate as part of that silent auction to go bow fishing with Marty, and I took my friend Jake Davis from DB Hunting Ranch with me. He was the uh, head guide at DB Hunting Ranch at the time, and um, took him with me, and we went to uh, GarQuest Bow Fishing Adventures on Lake Stillhouse Hollow. And um, then subsequently, I've gone to North Texas, I've gone to South Texas, I've gone to Central Texas, I've gone all over the place with Marty Bow Fishing, and uh, it's just been a blast. So it's a lot of fun doing this stuff. Um, Marty's uh, logo or slogan, whatever you want to call it, is uh, saving your game fish one trash fish at a time, and I love it. Um, because he helps uh, the lakes get rid of rough fish that eat game fish eggs and uh, that kind of you know hurt uh, invasive species that kind of hurt fish uh, population in lakes and uh, has a lot of fun doing it and we have a lot of fun on this interview together so I really hope you enjoy this uh, podcast that I do with Marty McIntyre from GarQuest Bowfishing Adventures. Mr. Marty McIntyre, welcome back to the Best of the Outdoors podcast. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. We first did this podcast thing back in 2012 with the interviews with the Hunting Masters, which people can go back and listen to on The Best of the Outdoors. We had a lot of fun when we did that one together. I didn't realize I'd have my our own show and everything to do this with later, and um, I just have so much fun talking to you about bow fishing. <laughs> awesome. Well, you know it's my passion. It is, man. I there's there's I've never met anybody that loves bow fishing and only bow fishing as much as you do. You know, it's just like your world. You know, you know everything about it, and just you're uh, you're a pro, man, for sure. But you are a professional guy that does this full time too. Right, I stay on the water as much as possible. Sometimes more than I want to be. Right. How many days a year do you bow fish? I forget. Oh, uh, I'm I'm bow fishing every weekend at least, but a lot of a lot of weeks I get I get um, two and three, and I've even been as far as seven, eight days a week straight. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah, especially when you host big parties and groups and that kind of stuff, right? Yes, yes. We, we do groups. We do uh, we do a lot of bachelors. The, the, you know, the, the one that I 
sticks out in my mind the best is the uh, I had a double date one time. Really? You never told well, me this. More than one time, but this one particular double date I had, um, the guys and the girls came out and they were they had they had not met. So I think the guys were buddies and the girls hadn't met before or something. Right. But uh, you know, after about an hour, the women were tired of bow fishing, so they went back and sat down and kicked back and relaxed, listened to the radio, and the guys were up there like. This is awesome. They're not tired. Ready to go. We can both fish all night. And uh, they're fired up, huh? <laughs> yeah, they were. They were fired up because they were able to both fish. The women went back and sat down and kicked back and relaxed. And they were, you know, they were getting to know each other. And maybe it was, uh, I, I, maybe it was the other way around. The women knew each other and the guys didn't. But right. They were. The point is, everybody was having a good time. Right. Bow fishing brings people together. Right. And even though the women were done bow fishing, they had they had their feel of it, they weren't ready to go right then. They right. were they were they were content having their conversations and sitting back and enjoying it. And you've got a great boat set up for that because you've got kind of uh what do you call that that bench seat that you've got in the back of your boat right now? It's a uh, deck boat is what it is and I turned it into a bow fishing boat. Right. So you You've got the bench seat, relax, kick back in the back, and the business up front, the whole front end of it is bow fishing. Right. Yeah, so it's comfortable to ride in style and kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, a deck boat that has, you know, nice comfortable seats in it, but then a great deck for doing bow fishing uh, and the bow fishing lights and everything like that. That's what I really like about your boat right now. Exactly, and that's where I am with it, too. I mean, when we turned it into a center console, that really made it, you know, with the rack on both sides. Right. You know where you can put your bow, your bow's out of the way. You don't have to worry about it jumping off into the water. Right. It's there. Easy to walk around and get from one place to another, from the front to the back of the boat. I really like your setup. It's great. Yeah, I, I'm uh, really pleased with it also. No, that's good. And your trips typically last four hours or so, correct? Correct. It's uh, four hours on the water. And it just depends on where you go for the price wise. And I supply all the equipment. Sure. I give you a little I give you a little uh you know, a little brief in and show you how to do it. And that's you know, that's what I tailor to. People that haven't done it before. Right. Somebody that's thinking, yeah, I'd like to try that bow fishing. Well that's this is uh it's a perfect opportunity to go out with me because then I'll I'm gonna give you that little class and show you how to do it and then we're going to get started and we're going to go after some fish oh that's great and i that's the thing i love about it because you're such a great teacher marty you know i learned so much when i first started bow fishing you know because you taught me how to bow fish and do it the right way and hold the bow the right way and shoot the right way and aim low and all those different things that uh, that are important in bow fishing. So you definitely help beginners to the advanced and expert bow fishers. You know, really get really have a good time on the water. Well, you know, it's such a passion for me. I love getting everybody, getting people started in it. Right. You know, because uh, then you've got you can see their uh, expressions and how much they enjoy it. You know, I've, there's been several people that went out and bought a boat the next week right that's what i was going to lead into is is just that they people have started doing it on their own now after they come on a guided trip with you yes yes I, in fact i've got one that's a uh, gentleman been posted i took him and his daughter out and he already had a boat he already had a big flat bottom boat but they were they would uh brim fish and catfish and stuff like that but she convinced him to set it up as a bow fishing boat so now he's got a bow fishing boat too so you're basically getting people involved to the point to where they're going out to try this on their own i love it i mean that's there's just no better sport you know when it comes to uh to getting people hooked right well and i've had i've had uh several women especially because they don't like fishing but they may like hunting right and their boyfriend husband's in hunting and fishing and I said, this is the best of both worlds. You're right. hunting fish. So, and it's not like going hunting for deer where you just sit and wait and sit and wait. At least you're on the movement. You may not see fish all the time, but you see other things. Right. You know, you you see.
see deer on the bank. You see raccoons, beaver. You see other fish, fish you may not be able to shoot. Like what we've been seeing is daggum snapping turtles. That's, yes, all over the that's, place. I love watching them big old snappers move around. Right. And so basically the basics of how you bow fish in a boat is, you know, you can do the same thing on land is kind of walk around slowly on land and look for fish in shallow water along the banks to shoot at and you aim low, think big. But, you know, in a boat, you basically are trolling around the edges of, of the waterway and uh, looking at the shallows for fish that you can see and shoot at. Is that right? Correct. Correct. So you use your trolling motor yeah. a lot compared to, you know, something like bass fishing and that kind of stuff where you, you find a spot and you pick up and go. I mean, you spend a lot of time trolling around the lake. Oh, yeah. I'll cover. Well, my average uh, trip when I when I turn it on is between 17 and 25 miles. Wow, that's a lot it's of time what, to cover. It's what my uh, tracker tells me. Really? Wow. That's great. That's great. And sometimes, like in the case I wanted to talk about um, on our last couple of fishing trips, we've been fishing Lake Austin late last month of September. And then just this week uh, here in October in, uh, on Lake Austin for grass carp. Correct. And you've been guiding trips down there lately. Is that right? Yeah, I've been doing quite a, quite a few trips down there because they opened it up. Right. Previously, to, uh, grass carp could not be fish for bowfish for you know regardless because it was a protected species and that's kind of a controversial issue with bow fishermen because you know we talked about that in detail the other night when we fished together it's it's just an issue of you know um stocking a fish that's an invasive fish to go through and wipe out the hydrilla but the problem is it wipes out all the native aquatic vegetation as well right and then uh you know you've got conroe's the same same issue right conroe's got monster grass carp in him you got to imagine how much they want to eat. They're going to eat, and now they have absolutely no vegetation. So everything that everything else that lives in that water has nowhere to hide. Exactly, bass or catfish or whatever, right? That's why I'm really surprised at all the fingerlings and all the bait fish we've been seeing. Right, on Lake Austin, it's, for sure. Because, you know, we see some big old bass. Right. They don't look very healthy. They're kind of, you know, everything we've seen in there is skinny except the common carp. The common carp's the only one that look like they're they're enjoying the no grass thing. But know? common carp eat anything, let's face it, you know. They they're not just resorted to vegetation. Right. Now, you know, every grass carp we've shot is probably underweight as far as what we would think they would weigh. Right. And, you know, they were 10 and 12 pounds and we're guessing they should have been closer to 20 pounds just right. because of their length their length is there but the weight's just not there on these grassies that we're shooting right exactly that's interesting and uh texas parks and wildlife just made that legal along with the city of austin to shoot grass carp in what early september is that right yeah somewhere around there yeah nice. they've been working on it quite a while right and they've and stocked thousands of, of grass carp right yeah, you know, and I needed to. I haven't added that up, but I'm. I've heard it was seventeen thousand grass carp put in there. Well, you know, they put them in in sections. They put some in a long time ago, and then they put some more in and put some more in because the first couple groups didn't take care of the grass problem. They still had hydrilla. Right. Well, now they have absolutely zero. You know, like the other night we were seeing the roots of the hydrilla but there wasn't nothing on those roots right <laughs> it was bare and uh yeah, the roots, yeah. Clumps, clumps of roots just sitting there um in different sections of that lake and you know the the grass carp have cleaned them out you know we found we found that one place where they have the the grass fenced off and the grass carp was sitting outside the fence looking at it, <laughs> watching it grow. Like, <laughs> just picking on what they can, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, just, my just goodness. Get just get close. I'll suck you out of that fence. That's, that's right. Just like. as you grow. That, that's, that's the way that'll work. And they're so hungry. I mean, they, they've even eaten the bottoms of all the trees are stripped bare of the leaves, you know? Um, exactly. so it's an overpopulation problem to, and it's, in it's simplest terms, it's an overpopulation problem, but it is 
uh, a great opportunity in a target-rich environment for somebody that wants to go bow fishing. You know, I'm not convinced that they're sterile. You've right. seen those small ones we, we got. We we shot two or three that was under three pounds. Right. They're smaller. So where did they, where did they come from? You, you wouldn't know? think they were stocked. You know, you would think they were, they were spawned, you know. Right. Exactly. That's interesting. But, um, yeah, and it's just, it's a great opportunity to go help Lake Austin, you know, in, in that case, or help just any given lake when bow fishing's involved, because you're not shooting game fish, you're shooting, as you refer to them, trash fish or rough fish. Um, you're basically helping clean out the lake from invasive species, and I see that as a great benefit of what you're doing. Plus, you're having a blast doing it at the same time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, there's there's no other sport that gives me that kind of excitement as far as it's like bass fishing because you're constantly you know on the look for fish, but it's it's like archery or a 3D shoot because you're constantly shooting, and it's like fishing. But it's just a, a combination of so many different things you know that I like about bow fishing. I get that for sure, and I mean that's just it's it's a blast because you get to, to have casual conversations. You don't have to worry about spooking the fish. You're constantly on the move looking for fish, and uh, it's just a great great opportunity to get out and uh and enjoy the water and enjoy the outdoors it really is absolutely absolutely so tell me let's switch gears real quick we've talked about um you know carp and gar and the kind of you know fish that you that you bow fish for on a a general daily basis grass carp on lake austin your two lakes that you're mainly on are which ones in central texas belton and steelhouse belton and steelhouse okay those are the two lakes you fish the most so they are you know, I, I asked you this the other night when we were fishing together. They're not really hurting in population, even though you bow fish them a lot. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> I, you know, you get you might get a night to where it's kind of slow, and you start thinking, "Did I hurt the population?" Right. But then, if you catch them in spawn, the carp, gar, buffalo spawn, the fish are everywhere. Right. right. I mean, you know, there was a couple times this year. That you'd look out and everything inside the lights, there was hundreds, 500 fish right there inside the lights as far as you can see, just running around. And the, it's hilarious to see all the, you know, to even think that they're not, uh, you know, you're not, you're hurting the population because they're everywhere, right. everywhere. Right. Even on lakes that are heavily bowfish, they're everywhere. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. And so one of your other specialties is trophy gar. Is that correct? Trophy gator gar? I do. Yes, I do gator gar trips. Um, they're a little bit more expensive, and we usually go down Livingston, uh, below Livingston, or out to uh, Choke Canyon for those. Okay, so Choke Canyon, Livingston, those kind of lakes in East Texas and Southeast Texas. Um, and basically you go during the day or the night for, for those fish or does it matter? Well, uh, I mix it up on uh gator gar, right? Cause your normal bow fishing trips, you go at night, but you're, you're typical for gator gar. Okay. You kind of mix it up. Okay. Right. I'll do, we'll do, uh, some day trip, um, uh, depending on the temperature. I really like, uh, if they've never went after gator gar, I really like to do it partially day part of the night we kind of run it into uh because you'll get into right at dusk you'll get into a lot of buffalo and carp and you know so there's a lot of other things to shoot other than just the gator guard so a lot of action going on obviously right yeah the only yeah the only with that picture is and it happened this year you've got to you you shoot a fish and then that big gator guard shows up Right. And it happened to it happened to one of my clients. I had just got done telling him because he was shooting a bunch of little gar, and I said, "The only problem with shooting these little gar, you're going to get one on, and you're going to have your arrow in the water, and that big gator gar is going to come up." Right. And it wasn't. It wasn't twenty minutes later. He had a gar on. He was having a hard time getting it off his <laughs> arrow, and, and this the gator gar came in, turned around, looked at us. I mean, he had he would have had forever to shoot at that thing. Oh, his, his arrow was out of the water. Oh, no. And he's, he's got his arrow in his hand with a fish on it trying to get it off. It was, 
that's exactly what I was talking about. Yeah, right there. Right there. Watch your watch your uh watch your arrows and make sure it's ready to shoot when you get them when the big one shows up. Yeah. And that sounds like something I would do on the water, <laughs> you know, be shooting the little ones and the big one shows up. <laughs> and it happens quite often. But that's their you know, I don't I don't care either way. They can shoot at the little ones. And it's fun to shoot at, you know, like Shad. Shad are fun to shoot at. Oh yeah, I shot at a you bunch know, of those. Yeah, I love that. They're fast, they they jump around a lot, they move you know, as soon as you think they're gonna line up for you and you can get a shot, they they cut it left to right. You and know, it just it, y- for those of our left listeners that don't know, we're not talking about baby threadfin shatter. We're talking about what we refer to as bull shad. Is that right? Correct. The correct. Big They're typically, I, some of them, some of them are pound and a half, two pounds. Right, just huge. But they they typically will come to the light to see what's going on, and then they will just dive right past you. And I've hit a few, you know, here or there, but, I mean, they they like to come in and uh, and just dart all around. And, I mean, they're, it's a target-rich environment when there are a bunch of them, but, I mean, they're hard to hit because they're so fast. you got to put a lead on your shot and, uh, you know, make sure that you're, uh, that you're dead on. But, I mean, they're fun to shoot at, <laughs> for real. Yeah. And they definitely give you bragging rights when you hit one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Every time I've shot one, I'm like, ha, 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 look at what I got. So, you know, I don't brag much, but I brag on those. Yeah, exactly. That's great. And then one of the other trips you offer is a tilapia fishing trip. What lake does Texas have tilapia in typically? And uh, just tell our audience how that that trip typically works, because that's typically a daytime trip. Yeah, uh, tilapia is definitely a daytime. I've always done better uh, day fishing for tilapia than I have in the night. Um, Fairfield, or uh, we do it on in during the week. We do Fairfield. If we do it during a weekend, we can do Fairfield or Gibbons Creek, which is outside of College Station. Right. Um, and we it's it's fished the same way, but they're a real weary fish. They know what's going on inside the water and outside the water. Right, I've very had them, smart. I've had them come out, and before they'll come, they actually literally look outside the water, I believe. You know, um, they, they'll they come up. The best time is when you can find a whole bunch of them under some um, hydrilla. Right. And you can, you know, because they'll have, you'll go into a, a section of hydrilla, and they'll have little peak holes pop cut off into these right. hydrilla patches where they can see predators they, right yeah so you sit there and they'll come up in them holes and they'll look at you and the minute you flinch they're gone so you got to move nice and slow and it's uh fast shooting it's it's uh the target's not as big as you know carp or buffalo but it's quite it's it's really fun because you're it's kind of anybody hunts turkey it's it's like that. They see, they have very good eyesight. Right. Very, very good eyesight. So, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun, though. I've equated it before to turkey hunting, and I wrote an article called Hunting Water Ghosts, which is what Marty calls them, and I kind of stole the idea from him. Um, but I wrote an article for Texas Fishing Game Magazine back, I want to say it was the summer of 2015 when I wrote that article, and uh, it turned out to be a a fun article had a lot of good feedback on it, but uh, they are like ghosts because they're there one minute and gone the next. They're also very tasty table table fare. If you've ever had tilapia in a Mexican food restaurant or anywhere else at a, at a fine dining establishment, tilapia is served on the menu a lot. But those are typically farm raised tilapia, and uh, these are wild tilapia, which I think are even better for you health wise. Um, and they're just a great fish to eat. They're a great fish to shoot, but they are a smart fish. I mean, that's, that's probably the hardest bow fishing I've ever had. There is, is tilapia because they can see every moment, every moment of every move that you make. Right. Exactly. And they, they are better tasting fish. Yes. A lot better. tasting. Their diet, their diet is a lot better tasting than, uh, you know, than the farm raised tilapia. Right. Um, and the meat, the meat's a lot cleaner and whiter. It's just a better looking fish all the way around. And so, typically, if somebody's looking to go tilapia fishing, we're going to recommend power plant lakes typically because that's where tilapia mainly thrive on in warm water lakes like that, right? Correct. Now, and they have found. I mean, there are lakes. You know, people think that's the only place you can find them, right. but I have found them 
other lakes which are not power plant lakes. Um, you know, they, if you, when I first started researching tilapia some 20 years ago, they were saying they would only get up to two pounds. Um, they were only found in warm water, bodies of water. Well, the Guadalupe got tilapia in it. Right. We fished that before. Uh, we shot yeah. tilapia on that. San Marcos River's got a lot, big, big tilapia in right. but that's a refuge, so we can't even fish that. Right, but exactly. It is, it is uh, th- those are the two coldest bodies of water in Texas, and they've got tilapia in it. In fact, if you look up Go Lake ahead, Record, that's, that's where the Lake Record came out of, or the state record came out of, not a power plant lake, but... Uh, Guadalupe. And we've seen them on the Guadalupe River. We've seen them on the Guadalupe Lakes because um, we fished Lake Dunlap before, which I was just alluding to. And I shot a tilapia in like eight feet of water on that lake. And that's probably the best bow fishing shot I've ever made in my life. You know, I just aimed really low and shot and uh, nailed them. And, uh, you know, that's a lot of fun. But it's just uh, it's just a blast to, to hunt for and uh, and to find and shoot because they're such a smart fish. They know what's going on. They're very wary, like you said. They're very, you know, keen to what we're doing there. And uh, they're like a turkey. It's very it's very true, <laughs> for yeah, sure. And, that's, and that's, one, that's one of the reasons I don't recommend that to be your first bow fishing right. trip either. You expect you that know, for, for people that are a little intermediate, right? Yes, I've had several people call me and they want to go on a tilapia. I mean, I'll take you, but that's not my recommendation if you haven't been. Because you have to know your equipment very well. You have to be ready all the time. You know, it it it, it kicks up your game, too, when you're going after tilapia. Right, and one of the other things you recommended if you don't have a boat and you're near a lake that, that holds tilapia, like a power plant lake like Calaveras or Browning in San Antonio or um your fairfield or your uh gibbons creek or you know those kind of lakes that are very well known and very well you know inundated with tilapia you can do some wade fishing is that right absolutely i started out wade fishing and i started out you know what i used to have a field day with is uh taking a ladder and getting into cattails on a ladder right with a with a stringer and i'd sit up there in the cattails with a lap just like a tree stand Right, like and, a tripod stand, uh, right. Exactly, and sit there right above the cattails, and they'd be, you know, they swim all up inside them cattails, and you just sit there and wait on them, and they'll come in. If you can find them where they're spawning, they're coming in and out, in and out, in and out, right. all the time, all the time. And they're a curious fish, and the funnest thing about them is that I will sit there and look at fish, and Marty will draw back his bow and shoot one, and I will never have even seen the fish. I mean, it's one of those things you can't point it out because it's too late. They leave a cloud of dust, uh, mud in the water, and they're gone. You know, by the time you point them out and go, oh, look, there's one, unlike regular bow fishing where you point one out as you're trolling along. This is where you kind of stay stationary and uh, and in your boat and anchor up and uh, shoot at kind of a, a, a group of them that come in and out because they're curiously looking at you all the time. Oh, absolutely, yeah. That's <laughs> usually when I point Usually if I point them out, I've got to be pointing them out with an arrow flying. Right, exactly. There was one. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's great. That's great. Um, So what other kind of um, tips or tricks or whatever, besides going with a bow fishing guide, would you recommend to our audience if they've never been bow fishing before? Because I'm trying to really spread the sport around to the Texas Fishing Game audience and you know, besides hiring a guy like Marty and going out there and trying it on your own, I think, you know, what are some other tips that you have? Well, and it's, um, if you are going to go out and you're going to pick a guide, you know, find out how long that guide's been fishing. Yes. You know, don't ask, don't, you know, don't go out with somebody that just says, Hey, I'm a guide and come on and go out with me. You know, you, you might be, you might be, uh, getting a better deal, better price. Right. But in the long run, you're not because they haven't done half the stuff that they say they've done anyways. You know, if they've been, they've only been guiding for or bow fishing for six months, you know, how, how are they going to be a guide that's going to know what's going on? Right. You know, it it took me a lot of years. I guided, I didn't start guiding until after I was bow fishing for 10 or 12 years. And you've been a guy for how I, long now? 
I started guiding in 1996. Okay. Uh, so, gee whiz, that's 20 started, years now, right? 20 years? Yep. I, start, I started bow fishing in 1984. Wow. 12 years so, before that. So, that's 32 uh, years. Wow. You know, I was in the military during that time. The military sent me somewhere. I had my bow in hand, and I, you know, I was in the military, so I bought a uh, state, I could get a state license, you know, uh, um, a resident license, and I'd just go to different locations, and the, my, some of my best uh, fishing was in um, Kansas. Right. I was stationed at Fort Riley for a while, and my, man, they had, they had oxbows everywhere um, and easy we, to fish on the bank right yeah i um throughout fort riley kansas they had they would dig holes and you know use them for whatever building roads or something but i had one space that was maybe a block down from where i worked at and i'd go down there at lunch and stand up it was a it I say cliff, it wasn't a cliff, it was a high hill overlooking this pond. Right. And I was I was shooting probably 20 foot down, and then Buffalo would be swimming around there, and the, the lake was fairly clear. So I got I got a lot of shooting in there, and I had, uh, you know, it was just starting out, it's, it's always, always constantly losing arrows. <laughs> you know, you've you got to figure out all those curves, but... That was one of my favorite spots to fish, and I I would go if it was slow at the lake. I'd go down on the river and shoot suckers, you know, because the suckers you could stand in one place, and sooner or later the river flow would run them suckers right up to the bank because it would slow down. You know, the the current would slow down, so they were trying to get out of the current. Yes, and they would get out of the current and get right into my bow range. <laughs> <laughs> so you were just waiting for him to get out of the current and uh and take a shot huh absolutely yeah <laughs> so many good stories one of our best stories that i told talked about in the first podcast i had marty with is the 20 you remember our 24 hour bow fishing marathon we did in 2012 yes i remember it well <laughs> four lakes that was lake dunlap lake calaveras lake uh choke canyon and um Canyon, yep. Yeah, we started at Choke Canyon. We went to Three Rivers, and then we went to um, to Calaveras. It's a crazy day. Yeah, the only thing we saw at Choke that day was snakes. Yeah, lots of them. Let's not tell that story. <laughs> I don't like snakes, in other words, folks. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that uh, I got kind of freaked out when Marty was uh, was around those snakes. But uh, that was a great trip, and I mean, we shot a lot of fish. The best part of our fishing trip there was Lake Dunlap underneath um, – the uh one of the bridges there and we um we we loaded up when the gar were spawning this is a march i think right is that right marty yeah and we just uh caught them, caught, them. caught them spawning and um and we shot 12 fish in under an hour i think something like that right yeah but that was at the very end of our trip too we were both tired dog tired <laughs> we were because we were up early that morning we got back early the next morning i mean it was wild so I picked you up at I picked you up at four. Yes, and dropped you off at four. That's right. That's why it was twenty four hours, including the driving, driving and everything, because we drove down to South Texas. That was crazy. Um, but that's one of my fondest memories of bow fishing with you, and uh, we had so much fun just going down there and just having a blast and uh, shooting a fish. And um, I was going to ask you too, just for folks that are wondering how to get started in bow fishing if you've never done it before. Aside from hiring a guide, one of the best bow values is probably to go to an archery store and buy an older used compound or buy a um, uh, you know bow fishing setup that you can you can uh, adapt to a bow fishing setup. Or or what would you say about that? Well, my you know one of my favorites I found and I've been come up. Pro staff reform is uh, PSE Discovery Two. Okay, PSE Discovery Two. Okay, they that kit comes with everything you need plus an extra arrow, so you get the full setup ready to shoot plus an extra arrow for three hundred dollars. That's great. You know, and that I've been shooting those bows on my boat for customers for two years now. And unless they get dry fired four or five times, they're still good. Right. I mean, you know, I, I, I trade them out at the end of the year. Uh, at the end of the summer, I'll trade them out. And the new 
I'll get new product for the for the summer coming up. But they are they are great great bows. They fit everybody or just about everybody. They're 28 inch draw. So sometimes I got to tell the guys, hey, just draw to the front of your face instead of pulling it, trying to pull it back to your anchor point. Because like I had a guy the other day, his uh, draw length was 32 inches. Okay. And I said, well, I said, you can't draw this 32 inches, but you can draw it right at 28. So he was just pop uh, snap shooting it at 28, letting it go right before he got to his face. And he did real well. He shot a couple fish. So um, it's just, you know, a matter if you're if you're that big and you've got that kind of arm's length, you just have to adjust and get used to, you know, okay, I can pull back to the front of my mouth and look down the arrow. That works for me, right. you know. And that's got to find that you got to find that sweet spot. But they're they they're infinite draw. Uh, are not infinite draw, infinite poundage. So as soon as you start pulling back, you start getting poundage. They okay. uh, they don't have a breakover. They just you know it's uh, if it's a thirty pound bow, you start you start you're pulling thirty pounds right. You know right after you get a couple inches back, you start pulling that weight, and it hmm. keeps it all the way to the back. So it's um, they're great for snap shooting. They're great for beginners. It's it's a it takes all the guesswork out of it, you know. It's already set up. It's already got arrows, you know. It's it's the best. Um, you and you can you can go up from there, but that if you're starting out, that is absolutely the best bow in my opinion. And that's around three hundred dollars for a new bow kit. The whole kit. That's great. Yeah. I mean, that's a great price for a new bow. I mean, especially if it's one dedicated to bow fishing. Because there's something else I was going to say is if you just want to go to a pawn shop and buy a $50 bow and then get you an AMS or a Muzzy, you know, real seat and, and real or an AMS uh, pro fishing kit or something like that. I mean, you're already stepping up past $100 there, you know, pretty quick. And um, having a brand new bow, I mean, that's that's a great value for sure. You know, and I've been looking at the there's an, there's an issue with going to the pawn shops and buying a bow. I've been watching that the last couple weeks. They're overpriced to begin yes, with. Yes, yes, they are. Um, that $50 bow that you're talking about is a 1989, 90, 90 model, 95 model bow. Right. So it's already it's already been sitting. So it's got string stretch. It's got dry rot possibly on the strings, on the limbs. You don't know where, you don't know what closet that person had it in or if they had it in the garage in the heat. Right. You know, it's, so the if you got one that you already have that say you had this bow for hunting ten years ago and now you want to retire it to bow fishing, that's great. But another thing, you don't need more than fifty pounds bow fishing. Exactly. Fifty pounds of draw weight is what you mean, right? Yeah. If you have more than fifty pounds of draw weight, then you have to worry about yanking them out of junk all day long you seen it the other night we stuck those were 40 pound bows and we right. stuck them in the ground to where we had to turn the boat around and work them out of the mud right okay out of the mud work oh, them man. out of a fence in one case work them out of uh some of that hydrilla preventing yep. sheet and that kind of stuff i mean just uh, they're a mess when you shoot them too deep so you got to shoot light poundage right well and 40 pounds is real good 50 pounds work but if you're converting a hunting bow, typically you're gonna you're at the bottom of the scale if you're at 50 pounds. Right. Now the best the best uh, recycle bow is a kid's bow. If you can get a kid's bow, their max draw is typically 50 pounds. So that that works out real good for you. So you're talking but, about like a used Genesis or something like that, right? Yeah, used bow. Uh, Alpine's made a couple fantastic youth bows that are all the way just to 50 pounds in fact i've had two or three of them that i've used and uh i got buddies that still use them right. that um they're a little short they they usually have about a 28 draw length you know so you can you can get around all that um you know and you can 
you can set them up any way you need to. A lot of people put a pin, one pin on it so they have a they have a reference point at you know ten yards or twenty yards. Twenty yards is a little far out, but ten yards, ten feet. You know, set up a reference point. Uh, you know, a lot. There are some people that use retreat, uh, releases. You know, uh, a release typically slows you down. Yes. Uh, and you may miss a fish trying to get your release on, or uh, that usually what happens is if you shoot a release, you get one shot off. If that shot didn't connect, you're reeling in and you're you're fumbling with the release, fumbling with the arrow, and by the time you get everything set again, ready to shoot, that fish is long gone. Right. Uh, and, and possibly, not always, but sometimes you get more than one shot at one one single fish it doesn't happen often but when it does happen you want to be prepared so right in fact i had i had some clients on not too long ago and they were shooting releases and you know i said okay that's fine you just and then i you know i explained that to them and by the time the night was over they found it you know they they saw where they were you know where it slowed them down right they saw the now the, the the difference Yes. Now, uh, the biggest benefit a release has is if it's a young person and they're not drawing much weight, they can usually pull more weight poundage with a release than without a release. Okay, that's smart. That's a good idea. That's right. Because the release is actually pulling on their wrist. Not on their hand, right with their fingers yes they might not have that strength in their hands yet but when it's strapped to your wrist then you have that you know you have that strength there okay that's smart that's good and um so if folks are just trying trying out bow fishing for the first time there's another thing that um that you have and it's uh it is a um we don't really use sight pins. We don't really use lasers. We don't really use anything for an aiming device. We shoot instinctively in bow fishing for the most part, at least those of us that have done this for a while, right? Correct. Yeah, everybody, you know, it's one of the things you get used to. If you get your anchor point correct, you can adjust your forearm to, you know, shoot high or low or wherever you're shooting typically. The anchor point's the most important and, you know, I get guys that bow hunt, so they're used to a release, and they're like, where do I anchor at? I said, where do you anchor normally? And they'll show me, and I'll say, okay, you're going to anchor just forward of that because you're trying to make up for the release right now. Right, and that's so important, you, right. Still pull it to the same spot or same general location. You just have to say, okay, I'm going to stick my index finger in my mouth. Right, that's what I do. My mouth. Right. Or hit my, that's where I do too, or hit my cheekbone, you know? <laughs> and women, it really works out for women because they, a lot of times they'll have that cheekbone, you know, they can pull back to that cheekbone every day, you mm-hmm. know, all the time. And I say, as soon as you catch that cheekbone, let go. Just flick it, let it go. Right. And so we go, you know, and they, I've had very occasionally, I've had a few people that it's, <laughs> there's nothing you can do about it. You just let them fling arrows. But most people are really, really, really close. And then they'll finally get it dialed in and they're, you know, they're nailing the fish. Yes. Time after time in a lot of cases. And you tell me that women are sometimes better shots than men. Is that correct? Absolutely. They <laughs> they listen well. They listen better than us guys sometimes. <laughs> if I say low, if I say low, they go low. Right. If I say lower, 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 they every time I say lower, they go lower and half the time they'll shoot under it. Right. A guy will stop going, I'm low enough. <laughs> In his brain, his brain <laughs> telling him he's low enough. So he automatically stops. Right. You guys know, gotta be just, stubborn, you know. <laughs> It's, so. it's yeah that's just the way we're built yeah 
Oh, it's great. And it's really fun for all ages. I mean, what, what's the youngest kids that you recommend taking bow fishing? Cause my son's seven getting ready to turn eight here in a few months. Um, I'm going to take him with you one of these days. What do you recommend as far as the, the upper body strength that they need? How old would you suggest a boy or a girl be to, to go bow fishing? Usually, usually it, it's about between eight, and nine, nine and 10, somewhere. It depends on every, every kid's different. I've, you know, some of them have been shooting, but like yours, if he's shooting a little yard bow, it doesn't matter. Yes, yes that, he does. That muscle, exactly, that muscle and that uh, muscle memory gets developed at a younger age. Okay. Um, you know, if if uh, if it ends up, I, in fact, I don't remember how old this young man was not too long ago. I think he was nine, and he was not a real big kid yet. You know, he hadn't started developing, and he could he could pull the bow back one time, and that was it. That's all he had, and it was cranked down as low as it could possibly be. Um, it just depends on the individual child, but usually it's around nine, and I've had a few eight-year-olds with no issues, but it's usually around nine, I would say. Okay. That's good to know. Cause you know, my son shot archery all summer at YMCA summer camp that he goes to during the summer. And then we've done the Hill Country Bow Hunters, which is our 3D club here in Central Texas. I've taken him to those kind of shoots, and he's he's got a bow that a friend of ours gave to him that's an old Barnett youth bow, which I think is a great bow. Uh, it's an older version of it, but Barnett, Barnett makes some great youth bows just for, for land shooting uh, for, for archery. And um, just to get your kids started and get them pulling back a bow, I mean, it makes it a lot easier when you get out on the water you know, to, uh, to go bow fishing for sure because they're working those muscles, right? Yes, yes, and, and you know, and that's that brings up another thing: you, the uh, uh, archery in schools program. Yes, I've had I've had kids that are in that, and they're you know eight, nine, ten years old, and they have no issues pulling the bow back. Wow, that's great. You know, that that is one of the best courses, and YMCA is probably doing. Uh, under the same program i'm not sure yeah they, they're doing uh, something similar it's part of their summer camp that they do on site so they have archery as part of one of their their events if you will one of their activities and um that's where he learned this summer but i i think you know regardless just to talk in general about archery get your kids started shooting young you know and get them and enjoy the outdoors because that's a part of the outdoors that they really will get addicted to uh, if they if they stick with it is uh, bow fishing, bow hunting, you know anything having to do with archery is a very fun sport. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's another thing about if you have uh, a young and that's not quite into archery yet. They you're trying, you know, you love archery and you're trying to get them really interested. Bow fishing can be used to spark that interest and kick it into high gear. Yes. Because if they get out, they get out and they shoot a couple fish. Now they know they can shoot a deer or a coyote or a pig. Right. You know that's that's that just opens up that whole can of worms, and they're you know they're they uh, they they get addicted. Like you said, they get addicted to archery. Then. Yeah, addicted to the sport. And, um, I just, I love it so much because it's taught me, bow fishing has taught me how to shoot a recurve better. It's taught me how to shoot a longbow better because of the archer's paradox of the, uh, where you look versus where your arrow is and that kind of stuff. You're taught to aim low. I mean, it's made me a better archer overall, especially in the traditional or trad archery sports. Um, it's definitely made me a better archer. So bow fishing has a lot of benefits to it besides just being a lot of fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, eye hand coordination yes absolutely hand eye coordination exactly exactly that's perfect so which is another good skill to have um is there anything else you'd like to talk about marty i can't think i think we pretty much covered it covered a lot tell people how they can find you please uh you can go on facebook starquest bow fishing on facebook that's where i post most of my trips i also have a a website starquest.com or you just call me at 254-931-3474. Great. 
So I'll put all those numbers and uh, websites and uh, your email address and I got a stuff in the show notes so people can get in touch with you. And you're based in Central Texas, but you will travel. Is that right? Absolutely. And so, I have yeah. fished just about every body of water in the state of Texas. <laughs> That's amazing. There's uh, at least one. You know, uh, there's a lot that I'm not real familiar with, um, but I've been on it once or twice at least, and. I mean, I can look at a map and say, okay, this ought to be a good spot. And, right. you know, we usually, we usually get on them and, you know, we're, we're doing pretty good. Have boat will travel, right? <laughs> so, no, that's great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We're about at our time today. And I uh, just want to thank you again for joining me. You, you've had the most popular podcast on my show so far, and uh, hopefully this one will be as well. And I just want to thank you again for taking your time to spend with me today. Hey, thanks for having me, Dustin. Well, that was fun. Like all these interviews that I do, are usually are on this show. And uh, I really enjoy my time with Marty. I enjoy every time I get to go out on a boat with him, whether it's with uh, his clients or just me and him on a lake together. When this podcast goes live, I will have an article that is on our newsletter, our big Thursday newsletter that goes out to a list of like 46,000 folks. Um, on bow fishing on Lake Austin with Marty uh, back in September when we went together. I had some pictures that I took and uh, some of the um, some of the bow fishing stuff. If you follow me on Facebook, my last name is spelled, well, first name obviously is D-U-S-T-I-N, last name is spelled W-A-R-N-C-K-E. If you'd like to add me as a friend on Facebook, I have a posting of our last trip, which was just last week on Lake Austin, and some of the pictures that we took there of grass carp that we shot, and a beautiful sunset as well I did on an Instagram post. If you want to find me on Instagram or Twitter, it's Dustin's Projects, or at Dustin's Projects, and uh, you can um, find me that way and connect with me on there, and uh, we'll have a lot of fun chatting with each other back and forth if you want to correspond with me somehow so anyway thank you so much for listening thank you so much for watching thank you so much for reading um thank you so much for following what we do again visit fishgame.com for some of the best outdoor news you will find in the nation especially when it's texas related and uh we have a lot of great new uh outdoor writers that are on there including myself that um that are posting articles and blog posts and um new original content there every week which is really cool and um also be sure to you subscribe to texas fishing game magazine if you live in texas and you haven't done so already our magazine is very inexpensive to subscribe to and i think it's one of the best magazines in the nation especially one of the best regional magazines in the nation um there's a lot of good content in there every month and um it's just it's action-packed uh just full of a lot of great stories and uh feature stories and columnists that we have that are award-winning columnists and it's just a great time to uh to be able to be connected with these folks so and send me your questions you can email me at uh, dustin.warnke at gmail.com if you'd like to email me um my last name again is spelled w-a-r-n-c-k-e and uh, you can email me that way or you can visit me at dustinsprojects.com and email me through my website there that's my personal website that has a link to all of my writing and uh, video and that kind of stuff that I do in the outdoor industry. So thank you so much again for uh, tuning in and checking us out and have an awesome day in the outdoors. Mm-hmm.